name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast, where this week we are going to talk about a movie called Hesher. No, you're not. <laughs> yes, we are. You <laughs> are too, Kelly Wand. Oh. <laughs> uh, I am joined by Christian Moron's, Moronsky, I think it is. Hey, it's pronounced Mo-Ron. <laughs> And Kelly Wand, who maybe has a Hesher-related tagline for us. When life gives you urinals, let them eat cake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dingus, nobody knows what Hesher is. I still don't. Yeah, so Dingus, why don't you give us a non-spoiler, a spoiler-free breakdown of... Tell us a little more about what this thing is. (sighs) All right, just... So nobody gets this confused with the other Hesher, directed by Michael Bay. Um, this is uh, this week we saw Hesher. It's a 2011 drama-ish movie mm. about a family coming to terms with loss, the help <laughs> of a wacky outsider. Wait uh, a minute! Nowhere did it did did some synopsis actually say wacky? No, I did. Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dingus, I cut you off. Because of my nut. All right, uh, the film was directed by Spencer Susser and written by him and David Michaud. It stars uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Natalie Portman, Rain Wilson, and Devin Broku. I don't know how that. that, I'm going to say Devin Broku. The film was rated R for disturbing, violent behavior, sexual content, including graphic dialogue, pervasive language, and drug content, some in the presence of a child. Wait, wow. is drug Harsh. content in the film stock? Mm-hmm. It's right there. Oh, that explains called, a lot. It's called Silver. All right, so Hesher, not to be confused with the many other Heshers. Uh, pretty explains... straightforward. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. What, what, does that, what does that explain? explains why all the old people were walking out during it. They were expecting the the classic Billy Wilder madcap yeah. romp. They, what, from... they saw the Hesher poster and went, "Oh, this looks like something for us, dear." <laughs> and they were howling at the body switch part where uh, the wife goes, "Oh, I gotta take it easy on the Thai food." She's taking a dump, and this like these grandparents were like howling with laughter. Really? Is it? Is that something they know? Did you accidentally see Bridesmaids? No, I was going to see it, and then some <laughs> asshole made me drive to Santa Monica to see fucking Hesher. That's rude. Well, Kelly Wand, why don't you describe for us a little bit more the experience of I seeing Hesher? I cut you off. Finish your thought that I cut off, and then I'll cut myself off. Uh, I don't know what my thought was. I think I was just going to play us over to your synopsis, which I've been looking forward to, to hearing, by the way. All right, I didn't get that sense from what you were saying but I don't get much sense from many things you say. <laughs> so, speaking of which, mm-hmm. here's some... Uh, all right, here's the Heshopsis. Um, <laughs> Settle down there, Kelly. Don't get uh, too excited. Uh, Save uh, some of your energy. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. Do you okay. really? Come on, this has got to be perfect for a Kelly Wand synopsis. Uh, I just didn't have time huh? to polish it to a sheen, all which right. I guess is appropriate. Yeah. Uh, Goes with the movie. All right, so this kid's riding a bike to chase his dad's wrecked car, being dragged by a t- 
tow truck because it brings back so many memories like his mom dying in it while they were singing this song called look where you're driving and the kid <laughs> hits a bunch of cars I don't remember what the fuck thing was called. Anyway, the kid hits a bunch of cars and he blows up a gas station, but eventually makes it to the junkyard. But the tow truck guy hates him because he doesn't have a driver's license. And the tow truck guy's kid beats him up at school and spits in his face and laughs at him while asking him to suck his cock. And the kid's all, wait, what kind of insult is that? Exactly. And he writes this on the bully's uh, yellow jalopy. So the bully chases him into a parking lot where a cashier named Natalie Portman with glasses. She's not the parking lot cashier. This is what I'm talking about. I didn't have time to put words in between other words so this actually made sense. Kind of like a cashier. Uh, cashier named Natalie Portman with glasses defends the kid by getting pushed down next to him on the pavement. And then she tells him, you're safe now. But... And then the bully chases him into a construction site where a shirtless asshole named Hesher lives who gets mad at the kid for breaking his window. And the cops show up because there's a bike parked at the construction site. It's big fine for that. So <laughs> Hesher throws some C4 at the cop who's all, why are you? And Hesher tells the kid, you fucked me. And then drives off in a van chased by the cop shaking his fist and honking their horns. The gas station blows up again. So the kid rides home and Hesher's there doing laundry, even though he doesn't really wear clothes. And he doesn't wash his underwear because that's just what the man wants. And Rain Wilson's the dad and the chick from The Hustler is uh, the movie, by the way, not the (laughs) magazine. Dingus. She's the grandma. Larry Flint's the grandma, and they only get the elephant channel. So Hesher climbs a telephone pole and electrocutes himself and blacks out the city and falls into some shrubs. And he comes back in and goes, see, now you have more channels. But it's really just one channel that has porn on it. And he watches it with grandma, who's not sure whose glasses she's wearing or what planet she's on. But she likes to take walks every morning because it's a really safe neighborhood for pedestrians and Hesher throws a magic marker at the kid when he's in class and the sound of it pelting his eyeball angers his teacher and the guy goes alright BJ what was that oh a magic marker eh you're suspended and the bully makes him eat urinal cake while Hesher watches and Natalie Portman smashes into a fat guy's car for no reason and Hesher's all see kid she drives kind of like you ride your bike you guys are totally compatible And the kid goes, just don't embarrass me, please. I have a pretty high reputation since the urinal cake incident. (laughs) You Uh, called him BJ. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's like, uh, what was that show? Anyway, so Hesher starts yelling that the pool's a trash compactor and starts throwing lawn chairs into it and sets the diving board on fire. And Natalie Portman's all, geez, it's like George Lucas all over again. I know. I kind of like that part. <laughs> and this part was written, unfortunately. Uh, so Hesher says he has a doctor's appointment because his diving board burns when he urinates and farts at the same time, and he drops a grenade in the pool. <laughs> I don't know what. Why? Why is any of this here? Uh, so the kid in Portman walk back to her car accident, and she eats her ice cream cone that he got her earlier, and she says how interesting Hesher is for all that pool chicanery and how awesome ice cream tastes after it's been chlorinated in swimming pool water. And she has a ticket on her car for parking on top of a police officer. 
and she kicks her car door and breaks her foot and she and the kids sit in the car together even though it doesn't run and he goes if you died right now i'd notice and natalie portman goes great it's fucking jake lloyd all over again <laughs> call back and the dad has a beard because he's sad about the car accident and growing a beard is rain like rain wilson's version of christian bale's weight loss and uh the mechanic wait not the mechanic <laughs> the machinist who works with the mechanic the movie <laughs> and the kid's mad at hesher for letting him eat urinal cake so hesher makes it up to him by running him down with his van and framing him for blowing up the bully's car and there's a fight over dinner so grandma cries but hesher gets baked with her and he asks her hey grandma what's brown and slimy and smells like mel gibson's beaver puppet the aristocrats and she goes, that's nice, dear, and walks into her closet and dies. And the kid steals money from his old man to pay Natalie Portman's ticket since the guy won't sell him his car back because it's worth $1,800 even though the door is caved in and the engine's in Hesher's guitar. But she's banging Hesher, Portman, not the grandma, because he told her a story about how he fell asleep watching lesbians make out after he told him their mashed potatoes taste like Frank Oz. So the kid gets mad and blows up a gas station, and since Hesher's van is already ratty, to get back at him, he washes it. Ugh. And they go to Grandma's funeral, and her friends all, Mabel was as awesome as she was old. I'll never forget how she used to say, life's like a bowl of chocolates. It makes your teeth fall out, and you have to share it with a bunch of dicks. And she goes, young man, you should say stuff too. Whether you have anything prepared or not, it'll make us smile pityingly. And the kid gets up and goes... I'll talk about my grandma on one condition. And he farts and sits back down and Hesher claps and gets up and goes, what the kid was trying to say was that I was blowing up a car battery one time and blew my nut off, but my other nuts got a live mouse in it. Long story. And then he tells them that he promised grandma they'd go for a walk and he rolls her coffin out the door, but they're on a hill. So it rolls down the hill <laughs> and blows up the gas station. <laughs> But kid and the dad love Hesher, so they all put their hands on the corpse, and the dad goes, you know, I promised her we'd play that board game Sorry some night this week. So they prop her body up at the kitchen table and play Sorry, and Hesher comes in fourth. So he overturns the table and drives off, and the dad shaves his beard off with scissors because Hesher cured his grief by defiling his mom's corpse. And they go out to the driveway to wave goodbye to Hesher's exhaust fumes, and the bully's car is in a crushed cube on their porch. And so is the diving board that's still on fire. And they hug each other and the car. And then they bury it out back next to the mom and the grandma and Hesher's trouser snake. The end. <sighs> Very nice, Kelly Wand. Now, Kelly Wand, can, can, can Natalie Portman ever be in a movie that doesn't lead to some sort of a Star Wars reference? <laughs> Is that is that ever going to be possible? I don't know the in answer. In my to that. synopsis or in the movie? Just in your in the in the mind of Kelly Wand, can Natalie Portman ever transcend the sins that she's committed by being in a Star Wars prequel? Well, can anyone really? <laughs> I don't. I don't look at Hayden Christensen as Anakin anymore. I've I've forgiven him that. I've I've moved past it. Well, she's made four movies now in five months, and one of them was Ashton Kutcher, and one of them was Your Highness, and one of them was Hesher. So you know what? Star Wars looking not so bad anymore. <laughs> Did you just tip your hand, by the way, on whether what you thought about Hesher? I might be red herringing you. Aha. Red herringing you. Very sneaky. Well, well Kelly Wan, now's the time on the podcast where you and I play 
did Dingus well, like Dingus it? Think. Uh, yeah. So how do you feel about it this week, Kelly Wand? Well, don't I always guess wrong, and that's what's supposed to be fun? Like we could be, could be. So do I want to guess wrong? Is that how you win this game? I'm not sure how you win. Actually, the rules haven't been formalized. Um, but like I'm got up our games. <laughs> I'm gonna make a guess first, then while you consider. I'm gonna guess that Dingus loved it. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. Yeah, I, I think, I think so. you're nuts. I'll okay. bet dollar that you're high. So and you I, just think he didn't like it that much, or he'll be more qualified with his praise? What, where are you? Uh, where are you gauging? Okay, uh, sure. I'll I'll sum up Dingus's next twenty minutes in just one sentence. Okay, good. Dude, this movie was cruel to kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a, a really good impersonation of me. That's great. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I sound like. Duh. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Dingus, get in here and let us knew, know who won this week's Will Dingus Like It uh, session. Very suspicious. Uh, wait, let me just see where everybody stands. You think I loved it, Tom. Correct. And Kelly thinks I'm qualified? What did he say? I think you I- hate kids. Something. Oh, he I hate thinks, kids. All right. I think he thinks you're not going to like it so much, and, and one of your issues will be Child. that 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 poor actor was apparently just did was tapped into some kind of serious agony or or distress. Can we redo that van hitting you one last time, <laughs> Johnston? <laughs> Johnston Percy. So Dingus, uh, now, who won the award? Yeah, uh, I don't think either of you win. Unfortunately, it can't be binary on this one. Who's winner? Who's more? So Dingus is going to wuss out. Yeah, Dingus is not going to have an opinion on this. He's moderate. going to be all waffly about uh, it. I was, I was pretty frustrated by it. Uh, there are things I really loved about it, but it ultimately it frustrated me. So I win. And wow. it has nothing to do with children. All right. Well, you, you won, but for the wrong reason. That's still a victory. Kelly Wand, congratulations. See? Take Where that. You, what are you going to do now that you've won? Uh, make Star Wars joke. Okay, go. <laughs> Give us a Star Wars joke. Go. Uh, the Force sure was strong in me tonight when I guessed what Dingus would say. <laughs> but money is all that he cares about. That's all he'll receive for the ticket if he was in the cash box at the movie theater. There's That's trade pretty far from Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to just see if I could do all the movies in one joke. <laughs> Uh, well, in that case, for this this uh, week's podcast, I will be filling in for what I expected Dingus's opinion would have been. Uh, I loved Hesher. Yes. Uh, huge fan of this movie. So, Kelly Wand, now that two cards are laid on the table, where do you fall in the spectrum of, of fondness or lack thereof for Hesher? Hesher? Um, I'm really mad at you because you tricked me into seeing this fucking movie because <laughs> you led me to expect Animal Kingdom quality filmmaking. And okay. I got... Rain Wilson, I didn't, here's the thing. I love the character of Hesher. I thought he was fucking hilarious, but he's in a serious Sundance movie. (laughs) I mean, if it's him and the grandma going on a date, I'd rather see that. I didn't believe in any of these characters. I didn't believe any the way anybody reacted to Hesher. I thought it was really contrived or they didn't Mm -hmm. react to him. I didn't, I was annoyed that she slept with him instantly. We didn't see how that, I'd love to have seen their date. Damn it. I know it's mm-hmm. about the kid. Uh, it was just uh, irritating. Okay. Now, by the way, this this really was screened at Sundance and apparently uh, went went over very well there. So, and it did have a little bit of a Sundance quality. I'll definitely grant you that. I, I, I might let even me, say let a me lot of it. This Tom, which which is the more Sundancey film, this or Win Win? Win Win easily. Okay. Uh, but Win Win's good. By so. the way, was at Sundance 
in 2010. What's Oh. Well, it just needed uh, that much more marketing <laughs> just yeah. before they released it. They had to come up with that black and white poster of Gordon Levitt, uh, Gordon Joseph Levitt's profile and the heavy metal font and stuff. I, I guess that took a while. <laughs> so uh, I did I, not know that it was uh, it was over a year old. Uh, yeah, um, I, IMDb uh, persists in listing it as a 2010 film because it came out at Sundance in January of 2010, but it's only getting its release in now in theaters in 2011. So, I mean, it counts as a 2011 film, but it's weird that it actually was shown at Sundance in January. That's actually not that unusual. I mean, New Market uh, is, you know, this is the studio that that was created basically out of Memento. Uh, You know, New Market, I think, is a smaller distributor. They they sort of specialize in smaller art house kind of things like this. Uh, I think they even did the Jesus movie, if I'm not mistaken, the one that you're quite fond of, Dingus. Passion of the Christ? Passion of the Christ, I think, is also New Market. I could be mistaken about that. But uh, I'm not surprised. Like, a lot of times, something like this will get picked up from from Sundance and will sit around for for a long time. Uh, So that's not not necessarily a reflection of of its quality. I just want to reassure people. Okay, so you like this movie more than Win Win? No, no. Well, I think you said you loved this. I did love this. Uh, Win Win, I thought, was more Sundancey. Like, I think Win Win was much more conventional. This movie, I, I thought, uh, was very unconventional. It was paced really oddly. I can I can completely understand people not liking it. Uh, I think it's kind of easy to miss what I feel is. I don't want to say the point of it, but uh, I, it, well, I'll float that in a, in a little bit. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I can completely understand people not not liking this whereas win-win is pretty all-around irresistible win-win is a real slickly made accessible movie i don't think that's the case with hesher so hesher being a bit more challenging maybe i do like better Uh, i'm not sure i could be that binary with it uh you know which would i pick win-win or or hesher i like them both but uh i think i got more out of hesher you maybe screwed me out of hesher because you had you had me going into hesher thinking about animal kingdom well, so so uh, All maybe, Animal Kingdom. So Animal Kingdom was directed and written by David Michaud, who co-wrote Hesher with a fellow named is it Spencer Susser, Dingus? Yeah. And Spencer Susser is uh, one of the guys that uh, did he have Dingus? Actually, maybe you should break this down because I always get confused. Did Spencer Susser have anything to do with Animal Kingdom? Um, I. Don't think so, unless it was camera. Okay. I mean, I mean, these do these dudes do a lot of stunt stuff and camera stuff for each other. Um, but I don't, I can't think of any explicit things that he okay. did for Animal Kingdom. And I think you're right. Uh, this this is a group. Uh, the Joel and Nash Edgerton, Spencer Susser, David Michaud. They they work with this sort of uh, filmmaking cooperative in Australia called Blue Tongue. Uh, Hesher comes out of that. Spencer Susser. Uh, is uh, he, he worked with David Michaud on the script for, for Hesher, but then he went off and he directed it on his own. Um, and I think it has a lot more in common. I think it actually has a lot in common with a short that he did called I Love Sarah Jane, uh, which he wants to make into a full-length feature. I don't know if anything is going to happen with that, but I can see a lot of similarity between I Love Sarah Jane and Hesher. Um, Whereas Animal Kingdom, I see some points of commonality. I can sort of see how David Michaud might have collaborated on the script for Hesher. Um, but it's definitely, I, I agree with you, Kelly Wand, it's, it's nowhere near as, as tight uh, as Animal Kingdom. And the weird yeah, yeah, pacing definitely. in Animal Kingdom, 
fucks with your head it fucks with your remote like what the? it's just like it's nerve-wracking and in this uh i thought some stuff was going on too long and it was annoying how i didn't believe in any of these people right yeah <laughs> uh, i couldn't get past that i like it well, in comedies but in dramas they feel like it's got to be more believable it's weird for me to hear you guys talking about pacing so much when tone is the thing that so much i want to talk about all right tell us about the tone well, uh, I actually, I don't have any problem with pacing whatsoever. So I'm really interested in hearing Kelly talk about that because I think the, the, the primary problem for me with this film is, is its understanding or its, its conveyance, I guess, of tone. And it's, it's going to be fascinating for me to hear you relate it to I Love Sarah Jane, Tom, because I think that little film, uh, really nails its tone and and this one can't seem to figure out its tone okay kelly one first tell us a little bit what what were you said some things you thought went on too long do you think it's a simple matter of some of it needed to be edited did you feel like a lot of it was kind of self-serving or gratuitous or went on too long what what were your problems anytime anytime that uh hesher was felt sad was when it was going on too long which didn't happen very often Mm-hmm. But uh, I think when he see now I'm thinking of a couple of things I actually liked in the pacing. But uh, his scene with the grandma, which was one of my favorite scenes, I thought went on too long. The one where he's packing the bong and telling the story about the mouse. Uh, uh, that was good. <laughs> uh, kind of liked that actually. Well, there's a weird. I mean, this is kind of a you know it's. Partly a matter of pacing, partly a matter of tone. After the the sort of blow up between the son and the father, they basically leave the frame, and there's this long tone shifted scene between Hesher and Piper Laurie, between Joseph Gordon Levitt and Piper Laurie, um, which kind of feels like it takes place in the vacuum of kind of the movie's emotional core. You know, these two men who've lost the woman in their life, and then suddenly there's Hesher and the grandma having this long drawn out scene. Uh, which was a weird pacing choice and a weird tone shift, and and I loved it. You know, I I loved that that bit. It, did you have any problem with that, Kelly? One that leads no, into. I like that part. I didn't like. Okay. I didn't like the dinner scene because it was stuff. Ha- it was okay. It was Rain Wilson and the kid fighting. Throws the plate, mm-hmm. and then Grandma shows up. Hester explains what we just saw. And then she gets sad, and then he gets sad, and then I I realize, wait, now it's doing what it's. Now it's just doing Sundance stuff on me. <laughs> but then the bong scene, I, I, I actually did like, so it's odd. I think I just wanted to talk about the bong scene. I, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Dingus, like, tell us a bit about, you, you talk about the tone. Do you, do you mean that the tone was problematic, or you, you enjoyed the tone? Uh, there are things I enjoyed about it, but ultimately, I don't know what to do with the character, the titular character, which, by the way, I'm, I'm pleased to have... Um, two weeks in a row where the titular character turns over a table in anger. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a Thor spoiler, Dingus. I hope you're happy. A Thoiler. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know what similarities. to do with him. There's a couple of moments where I, where I look at sort of as, as linchpins in, in where, what I'm going to do with, with this character and, and what he means in this film and, and where I was trying to where my mind is kind of trying to put him as the film went along, you know, for a while I'm like, is he real? Is this a Harvey thing? Well, no, obviously he's real. And, and 
is he the embodiment of some sort of uh, emotion or passion or not passion, but anger um, mm-hmm. in the kid and the family? Is he is he a construction of their emotions and their therefore uh, brought forth? Uh, called forth to help them resolve their grief will will know because other characters are responding to him so he's not necessarily that where does he come from um so there's a there's a couple of th- moments where, where i just did i was just really wrestling with this character but but loving him nonetheless i mean that the character introduction is one of my favorite things i mean he just him walking out of that house that yeah. house where he's squatting and just grabbing the kid and dragging him in and then lining off the cherry bomb. I mean, what a great character introduction. And I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to like this type of construction of a film. But when we're, when we wind up at a, at the memorial service and he's talking about his nut, I don't know what to do with him. And so, uh-huh. and so I'm really interested to hear more. You talk Tom about, about why you love this film so much and, and why this works for you. Because for me, it's it's hard for me to accept a lot of these goofy, wonderful moments, like when he when he walks in and farts at the kid, and the kid just yeah. gets this goofy smile on his face, which which makes me love him and love the movie. But but then we, I don't know, I just can't. It just teeters for me. Well, the, those exact things you're wrestling with are, are why I loved this movie, uh, and I, I I feel I'm pretty clear on I think what. Spencer Susser was getting at. Uh, I don't know for sure. But Dingus, do you remember the scene right before the the kid meets Hesher? Or, or you, Kelly Wan? Does either of you remember the scene right it's before? It's Portman, isn't it? No, isn't, it's a, it's a, it's, it's he's in school. Line? No, he's in school. He's a, he's in class. Do you remember what the lecture is about? No. Yeah, it's about dreams and um and nightmares, isn't it? Yeah, manifesting themselves. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. So I the moment I hear something like that in a movie. I'm like, okay, why is this the lecture that we, the audience, are are being told? You know, why is this written here? They didn't just shoot an extra talking randomly. Right. This is obviously the dialogue they want before the scene. So for me, Hesher is about it's it's not necessarily about how people respond to him or whether he's real. Obviously, he's there. He's in the incarnation of something. He's a he's a, a a physical character for everyone in the movie. But as a narrative device. He is, he's a matter of this kid's anger and frustration. He is born out of the anger that, that, that leads this little boy to throw a rock into a window. That right there is the moment that Hesher is born. And throughout the movie, Hesher is the manifestation of this, this lost juvenile confusion and despair. Uh, you know, what, what I think any kid that age can be through, but especially a kid who's like lost his mother – whether it's through the violent accident we later see or a divorce or, or whatever. Uh, I, I think of a, of a similar moment in one of my favorite movies of all time, The Ice Storm, which at one point just cuts to a little boy. Uh, I, I think Sigourney Weaver, a little boy is doing something terrible, and Sigourney Weaver says, go outside, you, you're being destructive. Go out Here, take this whip and go outside and play. And it cuts to him just whipping flowers off of a bush. I mean, it's that, that inchoate, youthful anger. Uh, and Hesher is the manifestation of that. He is kid id, uh, and 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 similar to that, he's the the wisdom that comes out of a kid's id. He's not a guardian angel. He's not a Harvey. Right. He's not there to protect 
the boy. And, and because sometimes your id will fuck with you, you know, while he, he's not there to be the savior bully from uh, high noon or, or that, that uh, 12 o'clock high, for instance, right. he's not going to protect the kid from bullies. That's not what he's there for. He will strangle the kid and he will punch the kid and he will run over the kid. He will set the kid up by doing terrible things. Um, but he's just, and he's, he's a manifestation of, of this kid's impulse to, to break a window. Um, and that moment with the grandmother, for instance, I love that he brings to that moment this, this kid mentality. You know, how do you make the grandmother feel better? You tell a joke. It's not an appropriate joke. You don't know any better. Uh, you know, the tattoos on him, for instance, are the kind of tattoos that a 10-year-old boy would imagine. You know, those, those are drawings that a 10-year-old boy would make. They're not tattoos that a full-grown man would have. Right, they're doodles. Um, they're doodles, exactly. Uh, they're the kind of, you know, the kind of the 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 nut anal- uh, eulogy at the at the funeral is it the kind of thing that the kid would say. Um, so so that's uh, I was just fascinated as a, as a narrative. This movie is like it's almost like or that movie Cash, where what if guilt was a physical thing that could do things. Uh, Hesher is what if this kid's frustration and anger and and despair was manifested and became a character? What would that character look like? What would it do? How would people what how would it help or not help? How could it be destructive? How can it further frustrate the kid? You know, it takes this kid's it takes his growing process and and makes a character out of it instead of a story arc and throws the character into the narrative. It gets in the car. It fucks his uh, woman. It throws things in the swimming pool and makes a, a Star Wars reference. You know, right, it, you, right, right. you know, all that's ten year old. Yeah, uh, all of that stuff. You know, and and even him talking about sex. You know, the hundred years of poking vagina. That's something a ten year old would say. You know, that's not something that I think a sexually mature person would say. That's how kids that age who don't really understand sex yet think of it. You know, he said, uh, what is it, hundreds of years of poking vagina, maybe more. Like, he has no sense of history, even. Uh, but he's real, right? It doesn't matter. I mean, of course he's real. The other characters react to right. him. But the movie just posits, what if this kid's id became a character? And yeah, of course he's real. He talks to the grandmother. Uh, I presume he actually uh, sets the bully's car on fire. He's the one who drew on the bully's car. I don't think the kid drew that. The movie would show us, I think, if the kid had gone outside and drawn that doodle on the side of the bully's no, car. I, wait, no, other, other people hear him. Other people in the supermarket hear him when he's yelling about, you know, vaginas and fucking her from afar. And, and but is that the kid yelling? No. Right, right. But what no. I'm saying is I think Hesher drew the doodle on the bully's car. Right. You know, Hesher actually acts in the world and does things without the kid's knowledge. Uh, you know, Hesher, of course, is not imaginary, but I think he also does things. You know, he has sex with Natalie Portman. You know, he does things that the little kid doesn't do or wouldn't do. Um, that, but he does other stuff a kid would do. That's where I right. Well, he, because he's born from a kid's frustration. He, he's, his beginning point is that, that rage that drives him to throw a rock through a window. And, and from that is created this fully grown character who has kid tattoos and uses kid logic and dispenses kid wisdom, and he just rampages through the movie from that point. I think he's his own 
he's his own character too. I mean, I, I mean that whole monologue about the the girls in the back of the van. That's that's nothing to do with anything. Of course that, it is. That yeah, that, TJ that's, would think of. Yep, I, I think it's absolutely it's it's a kid fantasy about sex. Like I don't I don't really no, know. How, uh, I don't, I don't how think how you can say that sex. given the way TJ talks. That has nothing to do with him. It's that's Hesher. That's not born of that kid. I think it is because this whole idea that I'm with these four hot women and I don't really know where I'm supposed to plug into all this action. So I'm just going to sit back and let them take it. Of course it does. It's like something he read in a, in a, a discarded porn magazine or something. Uh, I think it absolutely. I don't, I don't think Hesher has any background before the window is broken. You know, once he emerges from, I don't, I don't think he's a, a real thing. When he tells the story about the mouse, that never happened. No mouse ever lived in a snake cage and punched a snake. I don't know. Hesher, you know, weird shit surrounds him. I just think it's all kid wisdom, and it's all how kids talk. And that's that's part of the beauty, I think, of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's performance. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of sitcom stuff, but I know on Third Rock from the Sun, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, as a little kid, played a little kid with, like, an adult alien consciousness in his body. And the joke was he was frustrated at being an adult in this little kid's body. And, and there's this great aspect of seeing Joseph Gordon-Levitt grown up, but still like channeling this little kid's spirit. I mean, he's he, he was just so good in this performance, and I think he so got this idea of how would a little kid talk, how would a little kid tell a story about a mouse that obviously is not true, but that he believes. And I felt the same way, Dingus, about that him relating that sex scene to Natalie Portman. I didn't think that that had ever really happened to him. Uh-huh. So he bus he lost a nut. That would have come up in the story before. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think you're right in your interpretation, Tom. I just don't think that uh, Spencer Susser um, balances it out properly. I don't. I don't think that he. Where, and I. I want to talk about more about Elle of Sarah Jane because while that's only 14 minutes long, I don't think that ever loses any sense of what its tone it establishes its tone right away and carries it throughout and this i don't think balances it i don't think he carries that idea forth i like that interpretation i think you're right but i don't think he carries it about carries it off mm-hmm. well i love sarah jane i mean you're, you're right it definitely has the advantage of being you know 14 minutes uh it's very muscular storytelling uh every little moment counts every beat counts but i i see a real parallel in this kid trying to express his love for Sarah Jane and the way that David Broku, the young actor, talks to Natalie Portman. Dude, uh, a kid wouldn't know the words to that song they were singing in the car, wouldn't he? And what about him? Okay, what about the dad's grief instantly going away and shaving what? like after? That was like instant at the end. After the fee- after they push the coffin around, he's fine. Boo. Well, that's that's a little bit of of what bothers me. I think you make a good point there, Kelly. That that there is something of a of a facile sort of we're we're running down the hill with the. That's the way too Sundancey for yeah. my ass. Sorry, way too. That's that's spelling out. That's like that thing I said when in, in Win Win. She goes, "What's he running from?" It's like, dude, come on, really? Are we there? Are we there yet? <laughs> if you're going to be subtle and go, oh, he's this incarnation, and the rock comes out, and only and Tom Chick will explain it to you, and it'll all seem crystal clear. <laughs> and I go, hmm, yeah, it's true. Wait, we're lesbians in the thing. It's like, you can't be that clever and then be that 
dumb at the end. See, I don't think it's subtle at all. I mean, the 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 way, when Hesher walks in and says to the kid, "Have you ever been skull fucked?" and the soundtrack <laughs> does the heavy metal riff. There's nothing like it's not subtle. I think it's all very playful, and it's all Spencer Susser just sort of. I mean, he's he's breaking rules. It's it's nothing that clear about. Uh, you know, you, you can't just magically have a character appear in the middle of a movie, and yet that's, I think, what this movie does. Uh, and I don't think it's subtle. Um, when he's doing magic. Yeah, I know, but okay, here's my thing. With the Rain huh? Wilson, when he shaves, like, that's him by himself. Like, is he. Are, I don't see how that fits into your parody. Like, did the kid make him do that with his Hesher magic? Or. I mean, it's just that. It's the first time we have the dad alone. Like, it's he's the viewpoint character all of a sudden the very end and he's all hey son you like it every he's like his voice has changed the next day i mean is that part of the dream is that what you're saying well, i don't think there's any dream i mean i think this is a real story about a, a father and a son who've lost their their so he's really know, the, shaving himself and feeling awesome the next day well the, because, the problem is I, I don't think spencer susser really controls the viewpoint in the way you want him to I mean, this isn't just from the kid's point of view, and it isn't. It, even though it's not, even though it's called Hesher, it's not from Hesher's point of view whatsoever. Um, right. He he doesn't he doesn't confine himself in that way, which I, I think uh, maybe a, a filmmaker who was more in control of the balance of this idea that Tom's talking about might do, and might make it easier for us to accept some of the interpretation Tom's talking about. I want to believe Tom. It sounds kind of good. No, I really like that because because that's why I was starting to think is is this guy and and the word inchoate is is sort of the perfect word here is is this guy has been called forth by emotion, um, but, but I just we don't, don't that's follow any rules of point of view. Right. It's it's not like Fish Tank where it really was everything from her. It just seemed like we left we left the the narrative Tom's talking about a lot. We broke the fourth wall. Well, I don't know what, I mean, it, it's the, I mean, it, the, the point is that, that it's not just something that only the kid sees, you know, it's like the scenes with Hesher and the grandmother, the kid and the father aren't in those scenes. Right. I don't know why you would have a problem with the father shaving and, and not that scene. I mean, I mean, Hesher. No, I like, I like the scene with Hesher and the grandma as a scene, right. but right. If, if if what you're saying is true, then it, it raises a few problems with me. Like, okay. well, now what do you mean if what I'm saying is true? Like, I don't I I don't think I'm saying anything you're controversial or why, why why for instance I think it's very clear that when you have a character hearing a lecture about dreams manifesting themselves and then the very next scene has <laughs> a, a completely implausible character literally emerging from a dark doorway. Un, uh, uh, almost sure. summoned. Okay, but is is the dad shaving? Like, is that is that part of his dream? The father does transit. Like, he snaps out of this terrible despair that he's in, this despondency. I don't know about instantly. I mean, he he definitely. Damn. Yeah, I mean, he he loiters on the couch for a while. He's not present for his son. Uh, his he tra he's trying to go to these uh these grief counseling things. He even has that great moment where you realize he's not into the whole thing because he thinks of it as having to sit there alone with these other losers. Um, he's also I, drugging himself constantly. Yeah. I mean, I, I also love Rain Wilson. That. I was I was so glad to see Rain Wilson get to do a part where he wasn't playing a, a nerdy loser. Um, so he's, I He's so good in this. God, he's good in this. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just, I was so relieved to see him, you know, in a role like that. So I, I didn't, 
I mean, yeah, I guess it was abrupt, but the ending of the movie was kind of abrupt in a way. Uh, Too Sundancey. Well, you know what? I thought it was Rushmore. What do you think of that? Mm, oh, that's low. How Rushmore's consistent. Rushmore. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. It's all one note. <laughs> well, Rushmore's the same thing. Is you know, he's he's in love with the girl that he can't really have. That's not really going to happen, and uh, he has to kind of come to terms with that. Yeah. It's his first heartbreak. There's a little Rushmore in there. Okay, what about this? It was better than uh, Youth and Revolt trying a very similar. I was going to say it's Youth and Revolt meets heavy metal parking lot. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Oh, of course. So. We don't know what Youth and Revolt is. I don't know what Heavy Metal Parking Lot is. I don't watch documentaries. Oh yeah, that's right. They're not movies. I forgot. <laughs> well, all right. You still like you like this movie more than Animal Kingdom? Uh, no. Did you guys catch the Animal Kingdom Easter egg? No. I caught uh, the um, roll call of Edgerton. Uh, oh no! No way! Was that one of the kids in the class? Yeah, he's when oh, uh, awesome. the teacher's calling roll. He calls Edgerton. Uh, what was what were they watching on TV before Hesher got them more channels? Well, that's the thing. The Elephants. Mutual of Omaha thing. Yeah, the Animal Mutual King. of Omaha thing made me uh, wonder: Are we in a, some weird period? I mean, is is Wild Kingdom being shown anywhere in the United States on any network at all? So that was it. Weird. Is good to watch when you're. Depressed. Oh, Hesher was a period piece. Are you are you serious, Dingus? Hesher definitely took place back in the seventies. Stop it. What? You've got to be kidding me. Did you what? see the cars they went to all the trouble to get? Was it Hesher a period piece? Come on. Why Absolutely they- not. In the background of one of the shots, you see um, the uh, Terminator Salvation billboards. I noticed that. Yeah. Well, you, do you know where that uh-huh. was? Because, by the way? That's like by your house. I know. I could, that was really distracting. <laughs> they it was shooting. for me, too. There's like that Citibank that's right down the hill from you. I'm like, wait, yeah. don't don't be there. Go, go I, I know. get out I'm of like, no Stop that. Right. Get out of my – I'm pretty sure Hesher – because there was nothing about like cell phones or computers or – and certainly the production design of that house, which was fantastic, yeah. totally said to me 70s. And the way that he was talking about Star Wars, I, I could be wrong, but I was pretty sure that this was supposed to take place in the 70s. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, the well, trash the, 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 um, the bully's Mustang is far too new. To be so oh far. well, no, you wouldn't have one of the, well eighties. Well, I'll go. I'll get. I'll give you eighty four. How about that? It's the year I graduated high school. Can I, do I hear hey, an eighty four? Hey, Tom, and also must... the um, there was a song. What was the song that Hesher was playing in his van? It was one of the rock band songs. It was a um, Motorhead. Motorhead's old though. Motorhead and Metallica were both Metallica. in the Metallica. That's not. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this was supposed to be. You're you're right, not seventies, but I, I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be eighties. Uh, Are you and, saying? And, yeah, that that awful Terminator billboard, which I noticed was out of focus. That was the best thing to do. I was like, oh god, oh that. If you ever need, you know, do best some way to watch it. CG, yeah, <laughs> digitize that out of there. Yeah, do that for the movie. Hey, uh, so now you like Sucker Punch because it's the same movie, huh? There's a no. I I don't know that I could. I don't know that Sucker Punch has enough heft to like it. Scott to, to, Glenn's Hesher. <laughs> uh, how successful did you guys think they were in terms of mousing up Natalie Portman? Did it work or not? It worked at first, and then she, when she took her glasses off, you go, yeah. It's her. <laughs> well, that's what I first wanted to ask you, Tom, uh, because uh, I remember your objection to Thor last week, and I was wondering how you would feel about that. 
I thought they did pretty well. I, I was pretty happy with it. Uh, putting her in those glasses and the unflattering cashier checkout outfit. And, uh, I, you know, she really did play someone who didn't have much self-confidence. She was much more convincing in this than in Thor, I'll say. Well, I thought it was the same character, because if it's the 70s, that would add up. <laughs> she got her shit together and then became a scientist. I mean, it, it, this reminded me of Natalie Portman in Garden State. I, I thought she was just really convincing and really good, and there was a certain sincerity to it and vulnerability. And, I, you know, in Thor, I just am seeing superstar Natalie Portman the whole time. Tom, uh, when you saw Thor, did you feel that Thor was Natalie Portman's character's dream incarnation, like a Hesher? Mm, I like that interpretation. See? Well done. And Asgard <laughs> is all in her imagination. Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> What I like uh, about her is is that she brings money to the movie, and I really appreciate that. She's really good. I I'm just I I'm crazy about her, and I, and it's it, you know so being beautiful is her cross to bear. Uh, if she wants to do this kind of project and bring money to this kind of project by attaching her name to it and acting in it, more power to her. I mean, it's it, I kind of sat there thinking about. Uh, I guess my my go to is um is being John Malkovich and how. Cameron Diaz, Cameron who's, Diaz. Uh, who's ugly down for that, and and how when I watched that movie, I just thought, you know, there's so many actresses who, you know, uh, kind of don't have her looks who could do this part and don't have to be ugly down. But for this particular project, Natalie Portman brings money to this type of movie, well, and also, so good for her. She uh, she uses the same body thing she did in Black Swan, where she's so skinny, she's kind of she's there's a certain frail to her so it kind of worked for the character so kelly one you didn't feel she looked like a fat prostitute <laughs> a prostitute she, yes. well she wasn't fat yeah. <laughs> that was the most adorable insult by the way i just yeah. love that that's where he goes <laughs> prostitute fat prostitute the skinniest um, girl in the 70s yes. i want to ask you guys um i want to start with tom uh tom how do you feel about the flashback Oh, it was excruciating. I could, I could not watch it. I was like, I, I, I mean, you know what's going to come. You know what's going to happen. I, I just, it, it felt a little, I, I mean, I'm okay with it being there because the movie, I think, really wants you to understand this kid's pain. And the, the kid as an actor, I think, is doing a really good job conveying it. But it, and the movie just felt, I think, like it had to push hard enough to show us this. And I didn't want to see it. You know, I really, I, that's a tough role for an actress, too, is, okay, who are you going to have as the actress playing this kid's mom, Rain Wilson, you know, is she going to be too glamorous? Is going to be a cameo? So I was glad whoever that was, they got her. And just as that um, drive was going on and on, it was just excruciating. Mm -hmm. And I just felt a little manipulated. I'm okay with that in the long run, but, uh, that was, that was tough. That went on forever. And I've seen that thing in fucking enter the void. I've seen it in adaptation. I don't want to see any more car accidents. Okay. Where the mom dies. So Dingus, is that what, did it bother you too? Or, I think it's wholly unnecessary, and the thing is, you you know what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's you you see all of this played out in your head, and you're just sort of waiting. When is the filmmaker going to smack me with the car? And, I mean, when right. when when am I going to have that happen? The the do you know who the the mom was? By the way, no, who? She's just she's one of their stunt friends. She's a woman named Monica oh, oh. Staggs. She's <laughs> a she's a stunt woman. Um, yeah, do, do you know where the kid is from? Only after looking it up. Only after okay. like looking him up. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I did not recognize him though. So Kelly, wanted to be seen rubber. Oh yeah. 
Oh, that's so you know that kid? that's the little kid from Rubber. Yeah, it's this, uh, uh, it's like, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, really, I was really frustrated by that flashback because I don't. I mean, it just feels like the the filmmakers being, you know, I I'm going to do this now. You know, I'm, uh, yeah. you know, Rain's going to have to shave anyway, so we might as well shoot this at the end. Um, and they were they were acting like they were going to get hit. It's like, oh, look how l- carefree. And- <laughs> But everybody in the theater knows that's what's coming, and and I don't understand the yeah. point of it. I mean, cool. we understand what the kid's going through. the The performance has shown that. We understand just looking at the at the car. We know all of this stuff already. We don't need. I mean, yeah. this is sort of a TV convention. I mean, I really. If there were things I really loved about Hesher and that that flashback thing, bugged the hell out of me. Well, I think the point is, this is what the kid is dreaming at this point. You know, when he falls asleep in the car, you know, we're going to go inside of his head. We've we've seen what comes out of his head. Let's now look in, inside of it. And I agree, Dingus, it was a little gratuitous. It was manipulative. Uh, and I can completely long. understand. It, it was long, but in in a way, it was, I, I think it was, like, drawn out as a tease. You know, how long is it going to be before they get hit? Yeah. Uh, so I can understand the resentment, but I thought it was a valid place for the movie to go. You said uh, excruciating. Now it's valid. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I did feel that kid was so good. I mean, he was yeah. just so, uh, you know, I love seeing a, a, a child performance that's that convincing and that grave. Uh, and he was so good with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Let's talk about Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Come on. How awesome was he? Right. He's awesome. He's great. He didn't sugarcoat him. He's a total yeah. asshole. I like that. Hit but him then with it becomes, <laughs> I know, I know. It's like that's the thing. It's like I want him to be that big a dick for the whole movie, and then yeah. by the end, he sells out. I don't know. I don't but think he just, ever does. I mean, there's just one of my favorite things is when he shows up in the bathroom and doesn't doesn't be like my bodyguard. You know, he lets the kid eat the cake and walks right. away. I mean, it's this broken expectation of I'm not yeah. your bodyguard. Uh, you're gonna have to learn to do your own thing. I'm just this other. I'm this other thing. But and I, 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 and then when we wind up in the scene with the grandmother, I loved seeing that that aspect to him. And and the scene where he's eating and watching the the father and the son fight, and he explains it to the grandmother. You know, he he threw the plate too, but I think that's just because he didn't have anything to say. <laughs> I mean, Get out of point. I really liked the way he played it. I mean, I think he did a great great job. But I love that guy. Yeah. And I know. the kid was great too. I thought the acting was uniformly excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, Piper Laurie. I forgot um, the main thing I know her from, which is uh, which is Twin Peaks. Um, I just love that that woman. I mean, she's was great in it. Everybody she's, was. She's spooky in the faculty. Remember, she has those dead eyes like a doll's eye. Does she eat a mouse? <laughs> uh, Does she eat a snake? Because because they're the same shape. Oh, very good, Dingus. See, how, that's such an awesome line. Like that, That's like something that's a great line, and they don't give it to Hesher. They give it to the stoned grandmother. I loved that. See, she's a 10-year-old. He's She's fake, too. <laughs> and it's all Inception, because just Gordon-Levitt's in it. Uh, <laughs> Where does Ellen Page fit in? <laughs> but you, also know, you know Grandma's dead in that scene, by the way. I know. No but doubt. you know what? I, I, liked, I liked the thing where... There was actually a cool Animal Kingdom-esque uh, gotcha where it's like you think she's dead and then she gets up and goes into the closet. <laughs> <laughs> and right. The next time you see her, she's still not. 
That was pretty good. That was Animal Kingdom. me. But you what? guys really – go ahead, Dingus. I was just going to say what's cool for me is looking at the character, the main, the, the kid, uh, looking at Devin uh, – uh, TJ. Um, in light of um, the main character in Animal Kingdom and the kid in I Love Sarah Jane, uh, because – in in the in Animal Kingdom and Isle of Sarah Jane, you're talking about two protagonists that are sort of blank and letting things happen to them. Uh, and this kid has some of that quality, but he has more emotional response. And I, I just thought this was an interesting progression based on seeing those two films. Yeah. And I did love – so what I wanted to say earlier was that there's this – in I Love Sarah Jane, there's that awesome, awesome bit of dialogue between the little boy and Mia Wasikowska – where uh, you discover his parents are dead, and and he responds by having this this speech about uh, how fish feel when they get caught. Right. Uh, and I love that exchange, and I love that bit of dialogue, and how that's like kid logic. Like that's how a kid might talk. Uh, and and so much of Hesher, I thought, was also in tune with that same idea, whether it was in the character of Joseph Gordon-Levitt or or with that uh, with that young actor playing TJ. Um, Kelly Wan, did you have you seen I Love Sarah Jane? The one with Jason Siegel? <laughs> oh, uh, have you seen Spider? The one with Tobey Maguire? <laughs> Keep going. I got all night. Have you have you seen Animal Kingdom? The one with Natalie Portman? <laughs> I don't know what that's a reference to. Oh, wait, to. the one with uh, Groucho Marx? Ah, very good. You do, you do, yeah. I mean, have the one seen... with Rob Schneider? Okay, wait, go. Have you seen Star Wars? Uh, the one with Barbara Streisand. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, and I'm caught in between. Counting. One, two, three, feet a Star is Born? Yeah. That's the best you can pull out is A Star is Born? <laughs> that thing came out right before Star Wars, and I didn't... That's why I thought Star Wars was going to suck, because I thought it was like, oh, the same shit. It's like, movie stars, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. In my head. Uh, uh, all right. Da, da, da. All right, Kylan, what are we doing this week? Oh, Jesus. I hate this fucking thing. Not just I'm sorry part. I came up with that. I apologize. Yeah, what asshole is in charge of these? But here's the good news. Uh-huh. We'll be through this in an instant because it's, it's not much to say. And then I have really good ones for three and six weeks. I know I've said that. And only two of them are best sense as a place. All right, well, what is this week's, though? Unfortunately, this week's is three best. Oh, God, I can't even say it. I really, I, I wanted to murder this fucking time. <laughs> and myself, <laughs> not in that order. Uh, three best uses of some finals. And you know what? I'll make another Dingus prediction. I predict Dingus and I have the same number one. All right. What is your number three, Dingus? Oh, I get to go number three? Yay! Yep, because it's, uh, it's your three by three next week, so you have to go first because that means we won't be able to scoop you. All right. Um, how will I introduce my number three? Do a line from it. Hey, that's a great idea. Thanks, Kelly. See All right, I well, I normally don't like to do quotes or lines, but since Kelly is asking me to, I will. <laughs> All right, here it is. And thank you, Shadowcat. I'll do it for you. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, here's my line. There is sauerkraut in my later hosen. Uh, Airplane. Nope. Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> uh, train spotting. No. I give up because those those are the only ones that I can think of that would have subtitles worth. You're being. very close on uh, on airplane. Young Frankenstein. Kelly, do you have any guesses? Because Tom's about to freak me out. Blazing uh, Saddles. Which Star Wars movie did Tom guess? Because I want to guess all the other ones. Benji. Star- all right, it's a 1984 Benji, movie called Top Secret. Ooh. And Wait, is Tom, it the is it the bookstore? Yeah, it's the Swedish bookstore. Uh, I don't remember subtitles on that part. <laughs> well, there's no other way to know what the scenes, what's going on in the scene without the subtitles. Um, the it's it's uh, uh first of all, good God, does this film not hold up? Uh, <laughs> no way, you're crazy. It's awesome. Uh, when, last time you Chocolate watched, Loose. Uh, like three or four years ago, and it was hilarious. It's yeah. no MacGruber. <laughs> it's no MacGruber. Net few things are, but it's got um. You didn't like the Blue Lagoon thing. You didn't like all the revolutionaries. Oh, it's horrible. It's a horrible film, and uh, you know there are three. There's like three gags that made me sort of slump smile. But the um uh. I, I remember thinking it was the funniest thing ever when I saw it. I guess when I was fifteen or sixteen. Um, so maybe that's it. But the, 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 there's a there's a couple of funny gags. There's the foreground phone, which just the thought of it makes me laugh, and then the Pinto um, being uh, rear-ended, barely rear-ended. But part of that is because I, I you know, I went to high school back east, and, and we had a driving range at my high school, and we all drove powder blue Pintos. So. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the Swedish bookstore scene is this great. I mean, it's it's sort of a, a masterpiece of a gag because the the whole thing is is the the idea is kind of dopey. It's that some somebody somewhere thinks that um, dialogue run backwards sounds Swedish. So so based on that idea, they do the whole scene backwards, and uh, the entire scene is 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 filmed with the actors working backwards and then the film is run, the scene is run forward with the dialogue run backwards and then subtitles of what they're saying as if they were speaking Swedish because them talking backwards sounds Swedish to somebody, one of the Zuckers or Jim Abrahams or something. Um, so, so number three is, is just that, that weird Swedish book scene with, with them doing everything backwards. And if you watch it a couple of times, it's, it's really sort of a great, Gag. I mean, you're thinking about Val Kilmer having to catch those books that are flying down and pretend that he's throwing them up. I mean, th- there's great physical stuff going on in that scene, and Peter Cushing's in it too. Right. So, Peter Cushing and Val Kilmer on the same screen. I prefer back. Val Kilmer and Kristen Wiig in MacGruber. <laughs> How about that? Well, well, a, by the one. way, that's my my number two was uh, Top Secret. By the way, so put that down on your thing. <laughs> All right, so top secret. Not uh, on your thing. But I'm really upset that you don't think it holds up. You're a total asshole. So I can't think that is so rude. Whether or not what I'm about, an asshole. Uh, you don't like the Back cow to. with the boots on? Come on, that's good shit. It's just so dumb. It's just uh, unrealistic. Does yellow beard hold up at all? I don't remember. Ah. <laughs> I think that's a no, Kelly Wand. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, my number three, I'll just mention it because now we can uh, just sort of daisy chain it onto any top secret discussion. Oh. It's the, uh, the, the subtitles in Airplane. Uh, that's my number so. one. All right, what's your number three? Mine? Yep. Wait, what uh, scene are you talking about? Hold on. Oh, the jive. He doesn't. He doesn't even talk about it. Okay. <laughs> that was me. But wait, Do one it. of you some lines. Was, uh, was jive? Which one of you used that for language? Was that you or Kelly? That was not me. That would have been probably a Kelly wand choice. Oh, right. Yeah. So, are you racist? It's total language. Okay. Let's hear what? some Kelly wand. Do you speak jive? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that means golly. Where did you learn to speak, speak jive, Kelly? Chechnya? From Barbara Billingsley. Oh. Afghanistan? Pakistan? It's also got Barbara Billingsley talking jive, which makes it even more Afghanistan. <laughs> See, it's like, it's Peter Cushing doing, talking backwards and Barbara Billingsley talking jive. <laughs> One on. of the great things about the top secret, um, there is sort of an intermittent uh, commentary track, and... Um, they they talked about doing the scene in the Swedish bookstore and that it was taking all day just to do one rehearsal. And when the one of the guys who directed it sort of sidled up to Peter Cushing and said, boy, this is different from the Hammer days, huh? I mean, you guys would have had this this scene done by now, by halfway through the day. And Peter Cushing said, by now we'd be working on the sequel. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's pretty funny. You should put that in the movie. <laughs> That's way better than anything in Top Secret, Kelly Wand. Wait, you don't like uh, the part where the Omar Sharif's the car? He's in like the crushed car from Hesher, and she's reaching into it, and then it makes the antenna raise up, and then the horn yeah. honks. Uh oh. Omar Sharif all... picking up dog poop. That is funny. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Because you know, poop. What about? Picks. Souvenirs, novelties, party tricks. Isn't there some funny shit in the shootout in the house where the guy dives on the grenade and it blows up all the... Isn't the glass that they do tic-tac-toe? I, I just don't know what the movie's supposed to be. I mean, it's... I, I get what Airplane is making fun of. And there's so many of the gags in Top Secret that just aren't making fun of anything in an actual... It's making fun of Elvis movies crossed with World War II (laughs) French Resistance movies. It's Inglorious (laughs) Bastards meet Smoking the Bandit. What was the first thing I said? (laughs) Do you remember the name of the song that uh, Val Kilmer sings at the beginning? Uh, His big hit? What's his big hit? Is it How Silly Can You Get? How Silly Can You Get is one of them, but what's the big hit that he has on the charts? It's skeet shooting, because it's really funny uh, yeah, yeah, guys yeah. on surfboards shooting shotguns. Yeah, it's lame. But it gets better. <laughs> Kelly Wand, what is Val Kilmer's name in MacGruber? <laughs> Dieter Von Kunt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, what's your number three uh, for this week's 3x3? Three three? Oh, wait. So you liked MacGruber, right? That's more interesting than this. Uh, I like Kristen Wiig, and uh, <laughs> I did like I did like some of the jokes in MacGruber. Yep, absolutely. Maya Rudolph, yep. It inspired one of my future 3x3s. Three 
so we'd have to talk about McGruber someday. <laughs> you don't know when it's going to happen. So best Saturday night Saturday night live spinoffs. Well, Star Val Kilmer. Who's <laughs> in six or seven of them, I believe. Uh, my number three best use of subtitles is um, in Shaolin Soccer when uh, one of them says that committing suicide is not a good way to solve any problems. Kind of That really inspired me. Okay, that's my whole list. All right. Dingus, <laughs> what is your number two for this uh, week's topic? Did you already do number three, Tom? I did. Airplane. Oh, airplane. All right. Are we not going to go into Tom, more what? depth on Shaolin Tom. Soccer? Oh, we can. I don't know. I, I have not seen Shaolin Soccer, so I don't know how familiar that would what? be to folks who... Yeah, sorry. Did I don't do see... Stephen Chow movies. Why? No, I do. I saw Kung Fu Hustle. Maybe that's the only one I've seen. You didn't like it? Kung oh, yeah, Fu I did like it. Yeah, it's, you know, I like a little Tex Avery in my uh, Kung Fu movies. Oh. <sighs> What? That's, why are you sighing at that? That's a perfectly trenchant observation about Stephen Chow movies, isn't it? I'm very upset you haven't seen The God of Cookery, like an early Stephen Chow movie. Remember with Tang or Tong? It was Tong. Very memorable. Memorable villain. Ah, good. Save that for a 3 by 3 We already did that one. <laughs> Stop pretending we, this is our first podcast. That <laughs> <laughs> sailed. But wait, so you're done talking about airplane too? And the, which, all right, do you you hate this topic? Uh, we could talk about airplane. Uh, talk, I haven't talk, seen talk. it in, okay. in forever. I uh, it's got an airplane in it. It's got a. Uh, it's that, got an airplane. In it. It's got Leslie Nielsen. It's got that chick who's the stewardess who talks funny. You know what? I have a theory about you, and I it's have got. Break, it's got that I, guy from they or no? What's that? What TV show was that guy on? Angie. Rob. He was on oh, Angie. I remember him from some TV show when I was a kid. I really liked that guy. Oh, so when he, he was on the Lakers games because he was the co-pilot. Was he in a Wonder Woman TV show? No, that's Lyle Wagoner I'm thinking of. Wagoner. Wagoner. Uh, Wagoner. Wagoner. <laughs> well, review this topic in three words. Uh, okay. Airplane, train spotting, Star Wars. <laughs> those are my three words that's a good pitch for next summer's big blockbuster <laughs> uh, so we are down to your number two dingus what do you have for us alright I'm going to give you guys a quote how do you like that awesome I got a good feeling about this one All right, here you go here's my quote it's a bear though right or two ducks in a cloud airplane watchman here's the, res- here's the next line two frogs on a bench Oh, uh, McCabe, it's McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Winchester 73. Here's another line from that same scene. Rat in a dress, of course. It's a rat in a dress. Crime wave. Willard. Hamlet. Things that are green. (laughs) Miss uh, Kermit the Frog's Finger. (laughs) Oh, Uh, nicely done, Dom. This this is uh, not going to work for any of you guys. Um... Uh, this use of subtitles deals with my own personal need for them, not as prescribed by the filmmaker. So the film in question is a film from 2005 directed by one Francis Lawrence called Constantine. And um, 
This is uh, the first time John Constantine goes to Midnight's Club. The scene is with Keanu Reeves and Jaiman Hansu. And the first time I watched this movie, Constantine, I had no idea what the fuck was going on in this scene because uh, Jaiman's accent, along with Keanu Reeves' cadence, made that I, I couldn't understand what anybody was saying in this scene. So, so I, I'm kind of violating... Kelly's topic, if that's possible, uh, mm. in that this, Euphemisms. the uh, subtitles were useful here because I had to turn them on to understand the scene, and it's a pretty important scene because of what's happening in the movie and and um, and the information this scene has to carry and the characters, and then later in the scene, the Balthazar shows up with an entirely different different accent, and I was completely confused. I couldn't hear what Jaiman Hansu was saying. So first time I saw this film was at home, and luckily I was watching it on DVD, and I could just switch on subtitles. So my second favorite use of subtitles is me turning them on in the film Constantine in the midnight scene so that I could understand what the hell was going on and hear and read what uh, Midnight was saying and what um, Keanu was saying, because otherwise I could not. Wait, I wasn't listening. Can you say that one more time? Sure, it was airplane, and it's the jive scene. <laughs> I can't stand that movie because everybody knows Constantine is supposed to be blonde and British. So. Right, but when you turn on subtitles, they explain that. Ah, <laughs> so is Johnny Mnemonic, and you like that movie? Dingus, who is hotter, Gavin Rossdale or Keanu Reeves? Um, I hear Gavin Rossdale when I go to sleep, but it's Keanu Reeves talking. What does that mean? You listen to Bush when you go to sleep? <laughs> yep. Well, not not the group. Oh, wait, that, oh, geez, a Pete. I'm going to move on to my number two. Actually, this segues into my number two. It's Danny Boyle making the same observation as you, Dingus, but he provides the, the subtitles in Train Spotting. And I forget who it is. Is it you and Brim? Bremner, there's a Scottish character who's got a thick accent, and oh, they do a job. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's in a club. Is there a scene in Train Spotting where like they're in a club, so you can't hear what they're saying because the music's so loud? So they play. At any rate, there's some point in Train Spotting where there's subtitles, and that's my number two. What part? <laughs> Aren't there subtitles during a scene in Train Spotting? Yeah, it's either provided because... for you, but that you didn't actually watch it and nail it down is pretty disappointing. <laughs> it's one of those two, though, and I know for a fact. It's either because someone has a really thick Scottish accent, and I might be confusing it with I'm Alan Partridge, with the handyman in I'm Alan Partridge, who has a thick Scottish accent. I don't think he ever gets subtitles, though. It's either that in Trainspotting, or it's because the music in a club is really loud. Is it when Robert Carlyle is like starting that first fight with his when he's upstairs? and? Yes. Yes. Maybe. Pass. <laughs> Robert Carlyle was in Trainspotting? Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know he's in the James Bond movie. Uh, talk. <laughs> That's what he's most known for, is the, the villain in that James Bond movie. Hmm. Those movies are what James Bond's famous for. <sighs> ah, good point. Kelly Wan, what's your number two for this week's uh, three by three? I already three? said what it was. So, Dingus, we're, we're down to your number one. Hmm. All right, uh, my number one. Here's my quote from my number one. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. I wonder what she looks like naked. Uh, fast five. Throw mama from the train. No, it's fast five. <laughs> it's neither. 
You guys are so. It's not uh, Fast Five because Fast Five had the like the the subtitles even drive around the screen. That's how wacky that movie is. is the subtitles are like they're in cars. Never. So not, no matter what, let them get in a subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I don't think I know this one. She looks good naked. I wonder so what she looks like naked. Here's another one. I dabble. Listen to me. What a jerk. All right, so he sounds like he's doing his Woody Allen. Yeah, <laughs> his British Woody Allen. Match point. Uh, Midnight in Paris. Joey the Show, Matt LeBlanc. My number one know. is uh, the 1977 film Annie Hall, which is the uh, – my favorite is the balcony scene uh, where um, – uh, Annie Hall and Albie Singer are talking about photography and she's, you know, they're both waxing eloquent about photography and talking about it and pontificating about it. But, but the subtitles show you what they're actually thinking. So the filmmaker here is showing you the subtext with the subtitles and, you know, they're talking about photography as this new art form that doesn't quite have uh, everything laid out yet. But underneath it, you just see what they're thinking, which is, uh, I wonder what she looks like naked and how he probably thinks I'm a jerk. And uh, I just remember the first time seeing that and loving that, that the filmmaker has, in this one instance, decided just to show me the subtext of the scene by just typing it out for me. So that's my number one. The best use of subtitles is Woody Allen just laying out the subtext as a gag. It's a beautiful gag in Annie Hall. Don't they do that in 500 Days of Summer? I think Annie Hall ripped that off from 500 Days of Summer, Dingus. Oh, that's a good callback because of Gordon Levitt, as you put it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that same joke in 500 Days of Summer? Am I misremembering? Doesn't it do the same thing? Um, you might be right, but I, I erased that film to make <laughs> way for rubber. <laughs> okay. From your brain, from your memory. You've yeah, from my brain. From your, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, my number one is the same year as your number one, although I like your number one better. And it's Star Wars, where the aliens talk funny. But why are you going, uh, Kelly Wand? But they talk funny, but you know what they're saying because they're subtitles. Which so, for instance, yeah. specifically the Greedo one. Oh, what's he say? Okay, that's the subtitle, but what's he saying? <laughs> Can uh, I get that as a ringtone, you say? <laughs> I didn't know well, what that means. That's uh, Kardashian for <laughs> we don't take kindly to someone who drops uh, drops a load of spice at the first sign of an imperial blockade. Ah, uh, Tom said imperial blockade. Right, and then what happens? And then Greedo shoots first, as everybody knows. Duh. And there right, you go. Right. And then Han Solo flips a quarter to the uh, bartender and says, sorry for the mess. Wait, he only did a quarter's worth of damage? It's pretty cheap to maintain those uh, those style cantinas. Yeah. But if Greedo shot first, it's Greedo's mess. So it changes the whole dynamic of the quarter scene. Well, Han Solo is now responsible for his estate. He has a quarter to give, but he won't pay back Jabba the Hutt. Also, why don't they just wire it to him? They don't have... I know. I'm beginning to think those movies don't add up. <laughs> Would you do the Greedo thing again, Tom? Yeah. I, I can only do that once a night because it really taxes the back of my throat the way I have to... It takes a lot of vocal warming up. So. <laughs> That's what she said. I, I don't know. Tom was so good at speaking Rodian. Wow. Haha, you know what the alien is. Uh, I have his card in my deck. He's uncommon rare. 
to. Uh, I don't know what you mean. I have no idea what that is. I don't play the Star Wars CCG, so. These, these aren't the Star Wars CCGs you're looking for. <laughs> Kelly, what is your number one for this week's topic? Airplane. All right. So, Dingus, uh, what is next week's three by three? <laughs> but maybe Kelly's is a different scene from Airplane. Maybe I have oh, some runners-up we'd like to discuss. Ah, runners-up, of course. Of course. What runners-up <laughs> do you guys have? I, I'm afraid I don't have any. Oh, really? I wonder what that means. That must mean you like the topic so much you wanted to keep it pure. Right, exactly. I didn't want to sully my choices. Mm. Now I like <laughs> the topic because I know how much you must have seethed. So what about no, I, I, I got, uh, uh, in dark <laughs> plates when the Scottish people talk to him? Why do Brits have such a hard time understanding Scots? Also, the Star Wars crawl at the beginning telling me what's going on. Mm, good one. Not subtitles. No. What are they? Crawls. Su- super titles, like in opera. <sighs> Title cards. Tom, opera has subtitles. They, Ding is actually right. They tend to put them above the stage, so they actually call them super titles. Uh, super's above. True story. Sub's bottom. Exactly. So our atmosphere is a supermosphere. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's save that for the science podcast, Kelly Wand. Oh, yeah. I'd be great at that. So uh, that's your only runner. Okay, Dings, did you have any runners up for this topic? <laughs> yeah. Um, in going with my, what I was going for in my number two, mm. not by going number two, but just the idea of um, me having to use subtitles to understand a movie, uh, there's a, a little film I really, really like called The Wind That Shakes the Barley. And uh, I had to turn subtitles on to understand a lot of what was going on in that film. That's so racist against the Irish. Um, well, they started it. Uh, did you need to do that for Hunger? I really didn't, um, but uh, you know it's Ken Loach doing like like I, Ken Loach doesn't see, it, it is Ken Loach, isn't it? When yeah. he shakes the bar, yeah. Ken Loach that whole like social realism school of filmmaking doesn't seem like m- there's a big priority on miking the actors carefully. <laughs> so exactly, and you've of, got more characters in a scene talking over each other, right. and so it was hard for me to keep up with parts of when the shakes the bar. Oh, you know, it's specifically, Dingus, there, weren't there like town hall, like town meeting scenes where there's constantly people yelling over each other and there's a room full of people with thick Irish accents? Right. That was Wind That Shakes the Barley, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, which, is, which is one, one of those things. I mean, I really like the movie, but uh, Killian Murphy, Murphy has a hard time with a lot of those other actors who are clearly used to working together and really can – you could imagine those those people on stage just yelling at each other and holding forth, and <laughs> and he sort of has to step in every now and then and say a line, and you can tell he's sort of a film actor. I've got to step in here. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, did you have to turn on subtitles when Killian Murphy spoke in Batman Begins? Uh, I don't see movies with man in the title, <laughs> unless they're directed by John Carpenter or Saw the Invisible Man. Yeah. Wait, what was the Chevy Chase, the horrible Chevy memoirs. Chase? Memoirs. Oh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yeah, he's writing a book. That's how they <laughs> sold it to us. Oh, Chevy Chase, Invisible Writing. But how yeah. does he... You know, why would you read a book written by an invisible author? Like, that's impressive. Like, oh, yeah. Typing invisibly. Poor John Carpenter. Do you think Greta's Irish because he's green and his name... 
Greedo is a metaphor for the the Irish, I think. He's the imaginary construct of Han Solo's dream because it represents his ten year old. Exactly. Uh, what does next smell like? What does Greedo smell like? What does Greedo's finger smell like? <laughs> uh, walrus man. <laughs> Uh, Diggis, what is next week's three by three? Um, I said what I I finished my thought. Let's hear what Diggis says. <laughs> All right, next week's three by three is your favorite vocal performance, and you have to have at least one non-animated or voiceover performance. Um, I'm, I just I want you to try to think of, and and this is very easy for me because. Uh, I like what actors do with their voices, and it's not always animated that you can sort of isolate this and, and hear this. So uh, just just going on vocal performances, your favorite vocal performance. The wait, the wait, exp- I don't, yeah. I don't know what the take, fuck take, about. Yeah, what do you mean, like, like voice Singing? acting, regardless voice. of whether it's animated, or explain what you were saying about start over, start the yeah. whole. <laughs> no, I, I don't mean singing. I mean uh, the, your your favorite thing that an actor is doing with his voice and his performance or her performance. Uh, you can choose animated films if you want. If you if you have a favorite um, animated uh, voice performance that you really like, but at least one of these three, you, you can't just choose your favorite three cartoons. Uh, at least one of these has to be a live action performance, and it's the actor's actual voice doing it you just like what that actor is doing with his or her voice that you you recognize that they've done something specific um i mean all actors do this but i'm just isolating just what the actor is doing with their voice apart from what they're doing with the rest of their performance now like accents like that kind of thing you mean if you want to go with accents that's absolutely fine with me that's not necessarily what i'm talking about but if you want to uh, make that part of what you're talking about. That's fine, but but uh, in each performance that an actor does, um, he or she has to decide what they're going to do with their voice. Sometimes they're just talking normally. I mean, uh, a, lo- a lot of actors, especially in film, are just showing up and, and reading their lines, and they're just being real. But but sometimes an actor will will study and change what they're doing vocally. Uh, to specifically match what they're doing for the character. And um, so if if there are things that you've seen or heard that really apply to accent or, you know, if you want to choose singing, that's fine. But I'm not talking about singing. I'm just talking about the way an actor uses his or her voice to, to... as, as part of their characterization. And if you want to use something that's, that's voiceover or animated, that's fine, but at least one of them can't be that. All right. I think I've got this. Uh, Dingus, to help us out, what is your number one going to be? Uh, my number one is going to be Yoda. <laughs> oh. uh, Kelly Wan, do you have any questions? Now, Kelly Wan, if you ask questions, don't throw out any movies. Don't say, like, Star Wars? Like, don't do that. <laughs> What if it's a silent movie? Uh, uh, that's perfect. Can it be uh, the best subtitle in a silent movie? Is that what you want? Uh, that is, you absolutely got it. So the best use super? of a vocal okay. subtitle. So you can't read it, but you have to hear the subtitles. So sub-vocal are the low ones, and super-vocal are the high octaves. Well, the super-vocals are the ones only dogs can hear. So if... if uh, Ow! It's so shrill. Stop. 
Oh, maybe the what? Beethoven movies would work. Yes, I, I was thinking more Air Bud would be Kelly's speed, okay. or K Nine. Isn't Jim Belushi in K Nine? Kelly, Wand, you're a huge fan of Jim Belushi, aren't you? That's Turner and Hooch, isn't it? <laughs> Hooch dies. Oh, uh, huh? Turner died. Oh, alert. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been cool uh, if Tom Hanks had died and the dog goes to his funeral at the end. I like that. Let's get on a treatment of that. I think that's Philadelphia, actually, isn't it? So one of the trailers I actually watched this week, normally I don't watch trailers. Have you guys seen the trailer for this Tom Hanks romantic comedy thing where Julia Roberts is his teacher in community college? What? (laughs) I watched so many trailers this week because I had to go to Rio with my kid. And so, yeah, I saw a lot of trailers. Wait, what movie did you see when you were down there? (laughs) Fast Five. Very good. Uh, all right, so join us for uh, best what? vocal performances next week. Uh, and that'll be our three by three. So, are we doing a double feature? I forgot. It's up to you. Yes, we're doing Fast Five and the animated Rio. Let's redo Thor and the, all the other Natalie Portman, seven Natalie Portman one. <laughs> okay, so I guess that means we are doing the double feature. So next week, uh, this is going to be a little weird. Uh, first of all, we're going to see Bridesmaids, <laughs> and we're going to talk about that and spoil it. However, that's not all we're going to do. It's going to be a little crazy. We are going to do a double header podcast next week <laughs> that is specifically for people <laughs> who have seen both Bridesmaids <laughs> and Meek's Cutoff. And want to hear three be. other people talk about <laughs> all both movies at the same time. I can't wait hours. to see that, that Vin's diagram. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's us. We will be that the entirety of the Venn diagram cross-section right there. Uh, the Venn diagram will consist of Tom Chick, Kelly Wand, and Christian Murkowski, I think. That'll be us right there in that little cigar-shaped uh, divide. So there you go. So that's you get your work cut out for you before next week's podcast. See Bridesmaids. That should be pretty simple. It's playing everywhere. Uh, Meek's Cut Off, a little indie film directed by Kelly Reichardt. Uh, I don't know where you're going to get to see that, where you're going to find that one, but uh, see that. We actually think that they are re- – at least I think they are related. Uh, so we will do that, and then we will have a three-by-three three of our, our picks for best vocal performance. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by – Christian Moronsk Moronsky, I think. Christian Moronsky. Christian Moroski, you're you're close. Moron is not bad. And Kelly Wand. Alex Winter could have been little Buddha if Hollywood wasn't racist.
The pod in this cast was trained by professionals using industry standard volume controls. Please keep the internet free and recycle. Let's leave cyberspace cleaner than how we found it. Hit it again. Hit it again. (laughs)